Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Goddess Diaries with your host, Dom Champagne. Come explore what it means to be a modern woman who dares to remember her sacred self. Hello and welcome to the Goddess Diaries Radio. This is your place to remember your sacred self. My name is Dawn Champagne, the host and creatrix behind the blog and the radio show. And I just want to remind you that if you haven't done so already, go ahead and grab yourself a bundle of free gifts. You can do that by signing up for my newsletter back at the blog at www.thegoddessdiaries.org. And it just so happens that when you do so through the month of July, I'll be drawing on July 31st. All people who have signed up for my newsletter who are currently on the newsletter get a chance to win a copy of an amazing book called Jailbreaking the Goddess by Lasara Firefox Allen, who also happens to be our special guest on the show today. I am super excited about having her here today. This book is totally just putting ripples in the pond right now, and I am in love with it. So without further ado, I want to introduce Lasara. Hello, Lasara. Thank you for being here today. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Woohoo! Well, you are let's, – let's just start out with who you are. We've got 30 minutes, and your book is so full of juicy nuggets. Um, the subtitle of the book is A Radical Revisioning of Feminist Spirituality. And I can say it is exactly that, <laughs> every, every single part of it. Um, so let's just talk a little bit about who you are and what brought you to write this book, Jailbreaking the Goddess. Okay, so I was, um, I live in Northern California. I was raised um, from the time that I was a preteen in the pagan community. Um, and I'm, my mother and I are both ordained clergy members um, in the pagan community. So I'm a second generation ordained clergy member. Um, one of few of those, at least in our community. Um, and so I, and the reason I say, you know, the reason I point that out and is because I think it's relevant to, to the matter at hand. I don't think I could have written this book if I had not grown up in the tradition because so when I you were, the, yeah, Sorry. I think the process, <laughs> I was just, that's okay. I, I just, I'm, I was just going to say, I think the process of like, um, of, you know, uh, deconstructing our kind of like implicit implicit beliefs, uh, you know, happens from inside the culture. Yes. Exactly. And this is exactly that. I mean, you really, the first part of your book is um, you explain the new paradigm that you're proposing and why it matters and, and what it is actually. But the second part of the book is like the real work, the larger work, which is the whole dismantling of the old um, and, and tips on how to be present with the new dream. And then um, you kind of give some 
tips and guidelines and really deep thoughts on how we can go about creating the new. And I really appreciate that it is exactly that. In fact, in the first part of your book, it's described as, let me just pull this up here because I want to quote it exactly what it says. It is part magical incantation, part intersectional feminist manifesta, part liberationist book of shadows, and part how-to guide for the co-creation of our collective emancipation. And I think that is, that it pretty much sums it all up. So, <laughs> so let's talk about this. What exactly are you deconstructing with this book? Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I'd say the 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 top the top order there is um, of importance is you know deconstructing patriarchy, uh, and a lot of us think that in feminism that we've already done that, or or in feminist spirituality that we've already done that. But my experience is not necessarily that. My experience, and and I think the experience of many when we actually start examining it is that patriarchy still has a very strong, um, you know, foothold in the goddess worshiping communities. And so this book is looking at one specific place where I feel that that's very distinctly clear. Once we kind of remove some of the beginning points of, of our basic assumptions, when we look at the threefold model, the maiden mother crone archetypal system, and we realize that that model is based in our reproductive utility. And when a thing is based, that, that basically means that we are valued for our production, which reduces us to a utility. So mm -hmm. as a utility, we don't have agency. And, and what do you mean by that specifically, as utili utilitarian just taking a look at us for what we can right. do. So, <laughs> so, right. So our purpose is procreation, right? Which when I say that, I know a lot of people are going to be like, that's not what we believe in my tradition. And I get that. I get that we don't actually believe that your purpose is procreation in, in across the board in goddess traditions. However, when you look at our mythologies around the, the threefold goddess, that's actually what we're saying. Mm -hmm. So for me, that metaphor for a spiritual housing for the feminine divine doesn't fit. Exactly. And you, you make a really good point right there, too. In your book, you talk about how language is a virus. You have a whole section on language is a virus. And I would love if you can expound on that a little bit more. But specifically, you use the word feminal throughout the book, which I find yeah. interesting. Um, I mean, it's totally appropriate, but I find it interesting because it really underscores the whole statement of your thesis that language is a virus. So first of all, why do you um, use that specific word as instead of, say, the divine feminine? And what right. do you mean by saying language is a virus. Okay, so let's go. <laughs> let's, start, let's start with uh, femin feminal. Um, and, and what I want to do is, and, you know, listeners can play along. When I say feminine, what comes to mind? Well, 
for me that that's the the face of beauty or a, a beautiful woman or receptive um submissive the whole uh-huh. feminine all of those associations all of the above right i have a lot of people who say uh feminine products come to mind um you know oh, lace comes yeah. to mind right i mean when you walk down the grocery aisle feminine means menstruation right mm-hmm. um which is which is fine except that many of us don't want to be um, you know, defined by our, the the function of our of our uterus. So, um, and I'm not saying you know I'm I think it's great you know reclaiming menstruation like all of that stuff is very important. However, I want to be able to talk about the feminal without having to deprogram from all of the stuff that I think basically clutters our idea of the feminal divine, right? I mean, I believe that, that deity is beyond our, our ability to perceive of. I think that ultimately is beyond our, our like binary designation of gender. However, we, we have a need as humans for some element of, uh, expression in this binary sense and also though I think it's essential that we break away from the binary and start questioning the binary as well there's a lot of that in the book as well right there's the section about Mm -hmm. you know there are a number of sections about gender um, identity and awareness Um, Mm -hmm. and one of those is is the headline is um, the gender binary is colonization Mm -hmm. yeah talk about that a little bit too Okay, yeah, I believe that we, you know, and this this actually was, uh, this is a concept that I first heard about in um, in uh, Native American circles, uh, um, actually on on my on my uh, on my Tumblr. Uh, I follow a bunch of a number of Native American youth, and um, one of a number of them are are non-binary, and uh, the discussion. <clears throat> the discussion of enforcement of gender of the gender binary as a form of colonization is an active one. And so that concept is so relevant. I mean, one of the things that I'm talking about in the book is how we've all been colonized, right? Our cultures have been colonized. Mm-hmm. Our traditions have been colonized. Our lands have been colonized. We are all the product of colonization. And then we are also the force for colonization, Right. So decolonization needs to be an active approach. And I believe that decolonization, when when we're talking about like, you know, Native American rights, decolonization work has to do with showing up for those battles, showing up to protect treaties, showing up to um, support our Native, you know, our Indigenous um, neighbors and, and, and community members in their struggles, right? Keep what they have left of their of their lands, right? And at the same time, the process of decolonization of of like Eurocentrism, whiteness, et cetera, um, needs to happen on an internal level concurrently. 
Hmm. That's interesting because you also say in your book that we live what we believe. And I think, you know, that's pretty much what you're, what you're speaking to here. And so what, what you say in the book specifically is when our concept of the female divine is rooted in utility, our cultural ideas of woman are also rooted in the same. A woman's body, existence, and life are public property. And so, I, you know, I, I take that as, you know, the whole threefold model, taking a look at how it, it focuses on our doing, our utilitarian functions instead of our selfhood and, and who we really are, our being, um, has, has done a lot of harm. And it's an unconscious thing. I, but I think a lot of people are becoming aware of it now. I've had a lot of conversations with women in spiritual circles and goddess circles talking about how they feel very, um, very much that traditional feminist spirituality is dogmatic in many ways, and yet they can't quite put their fingers on why or how they feel that way. But I think that you've touched on all of that feeling just with <laughs> what you were just talking about here, the colonization of a you know, as it happens and how we continue to reinforce it through the language that we use and the paradigms that we choose to employ in our, in our collective reality. So you talked a little bit about the threefold model. So what is your new model? What do you propose as uh, the way forward? So the model that I put forth in uh, Jailbreaking the Goddess is a five-fold model, and it is, you, you can look at it, there's a linear application, but there's, but there's also a nonlinear um, angle, and so basically, I'll give you, like, the names in the linear progression, and then mm-hmm. I'll talk about the nonlinear aspect, so the linear progression is, we have five aspects, none of them are based in biology, This is the big thing is that this model is not based in our biology. Therefore, it's inclusive, it's flexible, and it's self-defined, right? So our progression through these stages. I love the self-defined. Right. So instead of external verification, which also removes our our sovereignty, removes our agency, right? If the external verification of our rites of passage is essential to our spiritual systems, then, then we do not have bodily autonomy. Right. These, these are just the ways, and I'm not faulting anyone. These are just the ways where ownership of women have been enshrined in our spiritual traditions. It's not anyone's fault. We live in the patriarchy. We live in the fabric of patriarchy. The work that women have been doing to reclaim our bodies is essential, is necessary. All the work that's been done has led us to where we are. And now it's now we are at a place where we can examine what of this is working for us. For many of us, that element of external verification doesn't work for us, right? Other people saying when we're ready for sex, for example, doesn't work for most of us, right? Mm-hmm. But that those are the overlays of the threefold model or the negative, you know, possible negative outcomes. So the fivefold model is self-defined and self-defining. Okay. So we start with famella. Oh, and I want to say about words real quick too, with words here. I'm working with words that you probably haven't 
heard before, or if you have heard them before, they don't have, they have less kind of front loading than, than English words would have. So these are, mm -hmm. these are all Latin terms. So we start with famella and famella means child. And like, um, in, in the fairy tradition, she's Nimue. She's like the uh, black heart of innocence, as, as, as it's said in fairy. She's like the pure state of unmediated um, presence, right? You know, pre that presence that kids have when they don't really care what other, you know, it's just being them, right? So, and sometimes it's beautiful and sometimes it's ruthless and, you know, all those things are, are there. So the famella is the child. Then we have potence. And potence is, it means uh, strength. And, um, and so I envision her, like I have these images in my head of each of them. Um, potence is like the, the leaf busting through the bark of the branch. Right? That very nascent, powerful starting out place. Um, I also think of her as the fool in the churro. Then we have creatrix. That's probably the term most of us are familiar with, um, are the most familiar with. Um, and the reason, I could have chosen a lot of different terms for that that um, third position. I chose creatrix beca because it, this term does not have the overlay of biological creation um, like genetrix does. And um, or matrix, even or matrix does exactly so. Creatrix is the one option that was free of those and also means builder, and you know, all, all the different ways that, that we create. And then we have sapientia, and sapientia it means sapience, so it means knowledge, right? So she's like the master of her art, she's the, the judge, the uh, teacher, the scientist. And then we have Antiqua, and Antiqua just means ancient woman. And I felt like that was a, a thing that we also need to um, really begin having more recognition for, both the child and the ancient person, which we, you know, in the threefold model, we don't actually have either of those. So if you wanted to look at it, where, as where are they added in, those are the places that I would say you know, those are the new positions. However, none of these are the threefold model. You could overlay the threefold model onto the fivefold model if, if it were important to you to continue using the threefold model. So what would that look like then? I, well, let me backtrack here and let me ask you this instead. Um, so when you are proposing this model, are you um, proposing it as an archetypal energy, as like a de uh, personified deity or, um, you know, ideology? How, how does it work? How, how can people, how can women respond to these and work with these, with this model? Mm-hmm. So I offer um, three different levels of, I call them levels, three different, uh, yeah, kind of degrees of, of, um, of ritual work where you can actually encounter these aspects. I experience them as deity forms coming into being. 
And I feel like a lot of the people who are working with the book currently are experiencing them that, that way. I also offer in the book a bunch of different faces of, you know, like these goddesses could be considered in alignment with Creatrix or in alignment with Sapientia, right? And so if you already have deities that you work with and want to fit them into the five-fold model, that's also an option. Although I feel like you can use this system and come to know her faces through these names. Um, and, you know, uh, are you familiar with the goddess Babylon at all? Somewhat, yes. Okay, so Babylon's a newer goddess, right? But she's one of the very relevant goddesses in my life. Um, And so, and, you know, it could be said that she's a reconfiguration of an ancient goddess. Well, I feel like this this divine energy um, of the feminine is coming through at this point and ready to be recognized. I, I am not so attached to how people use it I, you know, as I say throughout the book, it's yours. Do it, do it the way that works for you. Like definitely do it the way that works for you. But should you choose to interact with these forms as deity, I do offer a framework for getting to know them that way. That's awesome. And I love that too, because, um, well, first of all, I like how you say in the book, I'm not, you know, taking, I love how you talk about doing the whole, um, Riot goddess DIY fashion, you know, <laughs> repurposing. I love that statement. But also, um, in reading the different, you know, the five faces here, um, I thought it was interesting how you, um, for each, for each one, you gave an association that helps us to connect to that particular idea or concept. And for instance. Um, someone that's always been, uh, I guess, kind of a pop culture icon for me, although she's not really pop culture, is Amelia Earhart. I've always connected with her story from, for as long as I can remember. And you talk about her in the, as, as potence. And I thought that was the perfect example. I mean, I could really connect to that. I can really clearly see how her energy would, would describe the potence, the strength, the growth that you describe as the, the leaf bursting forth. And then another one too, um, which I thought was interesting and that I really resonated strongly with was in Sapientia, Sapientia, how you talked about Uzume, the goddess Uzume. Um, she's another one that I've, I've strongly resonated with. And I could again see how, you know, her knowledge, um, just, just her wisdom and how she pulled, you know, she drew Amaterasu from the cave in such a, a kind of strategic but cunning way, you know, very, very much master of her art there. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, so that's I, my point is that I really appreciate how you've broken it down and you've given some um, very solid examples of how each face can operate in our, you know, in our ideologies. And you even give, um, what I also like about this are examples for working with the energies themselves. So each section, you start out with a sigil, um, which is a magical symbol that you've designated for each face of this model. 
And so you have um, ideas for working with that or taking it deeper. Um, but then you also explain in here, uh, you know, invocations, when to call upon, how it looks in, in real everyday life, the occult expression, her sexual expression. Anyway, just lots of really good juicy stuff. So that, to me, really, um, I feel will help women who want to work with this model get a really solid, clear picture of what it is that they're doing. But I want to talk, too, a little bit about in the second half of the book. So that was the first half of the book. You're explaining all the five faces of this new model. But the second half, um, you've, you've done so, talked a little bit about the politics in place already. But you then go on and you give further um, ideas for for working with, you know, just deepening the work. So what can you tell us about taking it further? The, the, the rewilding, I believe, is, is where that starts. Uh-huh, yeah. So one of the things that I'm kind of putting out there as my, as my main thought in my own life and, and offering out to, to those who, who are curious is are there places where your spiritual system does not meet up with your, like, ideologies? Are there places where you're making excuses? Like, and this happens, <clears throat> excuse me, this happens in all kinds of traditions. It happens in Christianity all the time, right, where people are like, yeah, well, that part doesn't really make sense, so I don't pay attention to that part. That's not mm -hmm. part of my Christianity. My Christianity exists over here. Right. And that happens mm -hmm. in goddess worshiping, too. Right. Where people are like, well, I'm not really talking about motherhood as a literal thing. I'm talking about motherhood as a metaphor. OK, except what if we didn't have to have a metaphor for what it meant to be a woman? What if we could actually have mm -hmm. full experience that was, you know, consistent with our actual lived experience as women? that we could see as an expression of the divine. Right. So where are those places where you've been making excuses for your belief system? Yeah. It doesn't quite fit up with how I believe it in my heart or my mind, but, but it still works. If I, if I cross out the I and move the C over here and you know, like where, what is it where we're messing with our, our own equations to try and make them fit our, our, you know, in a consistent and graceful manner throughout from our application in the world, like social justice work, teaching our careers, et cetera, to our own internal growth process, to our spiritual expression, right? So where are the places where it's not matching up? Where are the places where it is matching up, right? Where is it? that you feel like you are acting in the world the same way you feel in your heart and mind and the same way you believe in a spiritual sense. Those are the areas that I think it will be fruitful for us collectively and individually be, to be putting our energy, right? So where does Black Lives Matter meet up with my witchcraft? You know, where does, um, you know, education for girls, you know, globally fit into my business plan, 
not creating so many distinctions and separations between the different realities, right? But having them actually be referential to one another. Does that make sense? Oh, that makes total sense. It makes total sense. And you explain it in the book too about the linear process, like how how you described it as being sometimes linear, sometimes not, sometimes cyclical, sometimes not, but always in a spherical manner. And I, that's kind of how I envision um, what you just said is kind of how I envision the statement you made in the book. Is it always being spherical? It's the holistic approach. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Right. Exactly. So, and some of the pragmatic ways that I talk about all of that is being aware of when we are stepping on toes spiritually, being aware of our tendency as white pagans toward, um, you know, cultural appropriation and spiritual mm-hmm. appropriation, being aware of when we interact with a deity who is not from our own personal lineage, being aware that that this deity has people and that if I'm in relationship with this deity, I'm in relationship with her people, right? Um, exactly. So because really that's what clear. makes it the, the real world, yeah, the real world application there. So very quickly, we have about 60 seconds left. So I just wanted to um, ask you, where can we find you online and what what else are you doing out there in the world right now? Yes. So I teach a lot online, as some of you who've already known me for a while know that I do that. I'm starting up my next cycle of Jailbreaking the Goddess as as an initiation cycle in November at Samhain. I'm starting up the next cycle. So taking registration now be a limited number of participants so if you want to be part of that experience it's a phenomenal experience um, come to my website lasarafirefoxallen.com go to the jailbreaking the goddess menu item there's a lot of interactive media there there's a quiz you can take about the different the five faces there will be another one up soon about um, the five faces in reference to sensuality and sexuality. I'm going to be doing a bunch of breakout quizzes. They're very fun and, and instructive. So go to my website, lasarafirefoxallen.com. Check out what's going on there. Check out my schedule. See what I'm up to. Sign up for stuff. Um, you know, most of us who are writers don't make our money off of selling books. We make it off of teaching. So, um, so you can support us as artists and, and as teachers by, by um, signing up for our workshops. And so I'll put that pitch out just generally um, and, and specifically, yes. yeah, come check out my website, see what I have to offer and, and sign up. Perfect. You heard the lady. Go support this woman. She is an amazing author. Some great ideas. LasaraFirefoxAllen.com. And I can't wait to see you guys there. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Lasara. I'm going to share this far and wide. (laughs) Thank you so much. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.